Hey, I am ready to jump into week two of our series, GOATS. Now, GOATS is an acronym uh, commonly used in sports, standing for the greatest of all time. And we all know who the greatest of all time is, right? Come on, I, I want you to shout out his name at the count of three. One, two, three. That's right. Come on. Jesus is the greatest of all time. He's the one we talk about the most. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway to deliverance. He is the roadway to righteousness. He is the prince of peace. He is the king of glory. Do you even know him? Okay, come on. I'm getting excited today. <laughs> I might have listened to a preacher say that one or two times before. But listen, he is what it's all about. But what I also love is that in our Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's pretty much a Hall of Fame chapter of people who paved the way for the greatest of all times to come. And, and, and your Bible might even describe that section as the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it's full of men and women who were paving the way. And I believe you and I are called to be modern-day goats, modern-day way pavers in 2023 to pave the way for Jesus to enter into our family, enter into our marriage, enter into our school systems, enter into our workplace and the ball fields we play at and the cul-de-sacs we live in and the subdivisions and the apartment complexes. If you believe it, go ahead and say, I believe it. We are called to be modern-day goats, and so this series is designed to invest in your faith and to, uh, to, to encourage you and give you confidence to believe all that God can do. Tell your neighbor he is more than able. So I want to pick up in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at it each week of this series and talking about a new goat each, each and every week. Um, I want to revisit verse 1 and 2, which my wife so um, amazingly described last week. If you were blessed by my wife's message last week, would y'all put your hands together and love on her? Come on. I thought she did an amazing job. She was nervous as all get out, but she didn't look nervous on the stage. Come on, because I know she's a woman of the word, and she prepared. I watched her put hours into that, and I want to thank those of you who reached out and just shared just how much it blessed. She's, we've been getting testimonies all week of how it's blessed. But listen, let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, now faith, everyone say faith, faith. is confidence in what we hope for, and an assurance about what we do not yet see. I love how my wife um, equated it last week to faith is simply trust. To, to make it more applicable and, and maybe something that you're like, oh, okay, I get that. Instead of saying I have faith in God, replace it with I have trust in God. And you can see just how much we can have trust in God walking together, even um, in, in areas where our faith has to kick in. I'll explain more in a second. Verse 2 says, this is what the goats were commended for. Okay, your Bible probably doesn't say goats. That's the PDV version. It probably says, this is what the ancients were commended for. Um, but now let's jump into this week's goat. Last week, my wife talked about Sarah, who's in Hebrews 11. This week, let's look at verse 5. It was by faith that Enoch, everyone say Enoch. Enoch was taken up to heaven Without dying, he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And by the way, in verse 6, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. 
It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, raise your hand if you want to come to him at some point in life. If you want to come to him after life, raise your hand. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This is all wrapped around the name Enoch. Say Enoch. Enoch's a vague character that we don't get to know a ton about, but we do know he's one of the first goats mentioned because of his faith. And this morning, I want to preach a message centered around him. He is one of very few people, a very small elite list of names, who was taken to heaven without dying. From my recollection, it's Enoch Elijah, and that's about it, except for Jesus Christ who resurrected too. So this is a pretty elite list of a man who was taken to heaven without dying. His name's Enoch. Today, if you're taking notes, write down the title of this message, How to Please God. Would you pray with me? God, we want to please you. We want to draw closer to you. Father, we want you to reveal even more. Thank you for your word that we get to stand on it. We can take you at your word, because if you said it, I believe it. And so, Father, we thank you for the word that we have. We stand on it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. How many of you hate the sound of your front door having a knock at it? Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, some of y'all run and hide. When the, the, the door has a knock at it. Now, I, I think the, the door, our front doors has gone through quite a transformation over the ages because it used to be something that we would get excited about. When I was growing up and the door knocked, that meant somebody was saying, can Drew come out and play? And I'm like, oh yeah, baby, come on, it's game time. Let's go ahead and get into the streets and have a little bit of fun. I used to look forward to the knock at the door. Nowadays, it's become something that most people hide from. Go ahead and raise your hand and point at somebody that you know who hides every time that door hears a knock. Come on. Y'all trying to hide behind things you, don't, you can't even hide behind. You're just like, you're in your recliner, and there's like one of those viewing windows in your door. You hear the knock. All of a sudden, people start kind of trying to hide. And you watching it happen, if you've seen somebody do it, you're like, you know they can see you. You know? <laughs> You, you are not fooling anybody. Come on. But most of the time we, we hide, unless you ordered Grubhub. Come on, we like that knock at the door. And you're like going, dinner time, baby, let's go. Um, but the, the door is something that most people don't appreciate anymore when somebody knocks. Come on, I'm going to teach some boy who comes to pick up my girl one day. You best come to the door and knock. Don't text her to come out. <laughs> You best come to the door and knock, okay, because I want the fear of the Father, Lord. Anyway, I'm having too much fun. There is a hotel in England called Heinz Head where a powerful quote is inscribed into the mantle about a door, and I want to share it with you. You might even want to write it down. It says, fear knocked at the door, faith answered No one was there. I love this mantle. I think this is a brilliant mantle. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. No one was there. Think about it for a minute. We all have fear knock on our door. Fear knocks on every single one of our doors. 
It knocks on old people's doors. It knocks on young people's doors. It knocks on women's doors and men's doors. It knocks on the successful people's doors and the lazy people's doors. It knocks on the doors of those who are pretty and those who are not so pretty. For the athletic, for the artistic, the gamer and the slacker, fear knocks on everyone's door and we all have it in common. And fear often knocks on our doors in different ways and it shows up with different faces. For some, it's the fear of sickness. For some, it's the fear of death. For some, it's the fear of job loss or even the fear of failure itself. For some, it's the fear of school. How many of y'all know somebody, I don't want to go to school. Come on, I get sick when I think about going to school. I know people like that. For some, it's a fear of failing their elders. For others, it's fear of failing their family and they're caring for them. For others, it's fear of looking stupid or losing a relationship or having everyone laugh at you. But everyone has fear knock on the doors of our heart. Now think about that statement for just a minute because I wanna twist it for a second. When fear knocks at the door and you answer it all by yourself, fear paralyzes us. You've seen it happen before, come on. It's this health diagnosis, stuck. It's this about your kids. It's, it's this bad news. It's, it's this about America. It's, it's this about schools. It's this about media. It's this about this. It's this about this. And it tries to paralyze us. But um, I, I believe my message for you today is you need a butler. Go ahead and tell your neighbor you need a butler. Go ahead and tell your other neighbor I would hire faith as your butler. He has a five-star review on Yelp. You do not need to answer the door by yourself because when fear knocks at your door and you answer, it paralyzes us. But when fear knocks at your door and your butler faith answers, come on, fear flees. In fact, write it down this way. The fear that paralyzes you flees from faith. You need a butler. You need to stop answering the knocks of fear of your life, which happened to all of us, including the pastor. We need to stop answering it ourselves and trying to take it on with our own strength or our own intellect or our own bank account or our own human reasoning. And we need to hire a butler. We need to hire faith to say, you start answering the door because when fear knocks at the door and faith answers the door, no one is there. Fear is scared of faith. In fact, that's why faith is so pivotal and essential to pleasing God. We just read it in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Why? We keep getting paralyzed at the door of fear. And we're not moving forward in our faith call. And we're not believing that God is more than able. Put it in my key, please. Okay. Have mercy on me, okay? And I think Satan knows this about faith too. This is why Satan has employed an entire terrorist unit to knock on our doors at all the wrong times, with all the wrong news, just to scare us and just to paralyze us because if he can take our faith from us, if he can take our confidence from us, gosh, I love that song. Think about uh, verse 2. Now I've got my confidence back. Come on. This series is built to get your faith back, to get your confidence back. So you start saying, you're going to have to take it up with my butler called faith because my faith has already conquered you before and he's going to conquer you again. 
Come on. You've been standing at my door, knocking at my heart, but you ain't going to have my family. You ain't going to have my workplace. You're not going to have my marriage. You're not going to have the ball field. You're not going to have my city. I got some faith, and I've got some confidence. No matter the news that fear tries to knock at my door, tell your neighbor, you better hire a butler called Faith. You know, I think that's why Enoch, who is a man we don't know a ton about, relative to other people in the Bible, we don't know a significant amount about Enoch. But one thing we do know is he's one of the first goats mentioned in Hebrews 11 because he was a man who pleased God because of his faith. And so I want to teach you how to please God. Now, listen, Enoch had a lot to be fearful about. In fact, human race was fairly new. He was young in the lineage of humanity, and it didn't go well all the way from the first two people who started it. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. That didn't go well. Their kids, Cain, um, killed the brother Abel. That's not going well. And it's starting to be, and not to mention how many suffer from the fear of the unknown. Come on. Or even FOMO, the fear of missing out. He's in a land trying to figure it all out. There's a lot to be fearful, yet he pleased God because of his faith. If Enoch can live in a land of fear, and please God with his faith. Today, I want to help equip us that we can walk with God and please him because of our faith. Now, Enoch's only other significant mention in the Bible is Genesis 5. All the way in the beginning of the creation story. And I want you to look at it with me real quick. Genesis 5, 21 through 24 says this. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. No, I'm not talking about the... <laughs> Come on, the woman with snakes out of her head. Come on, that's Medusa. Anybody else thought that? I remember when I first got saved, I started reading the Bible. I'm like, how did she end up in the Bible? I was like, oh, that's Medusa, not Methuselah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Now you could read these uh, three or four verses and really kind of pass by it. Why? Because if you read your Bible in Genesis 5, Genesis 5 is a bit of a snooze fest. Yes, I just said that as your pastor because some of y'all have thought it too. You ever been in a portion of scripture where it was like, this guy begat that guy, begat this guy, and I, I ain't got none of that. Okay. And he's just like, <laughs> Genesis 5 is rattling off some lineage that could, quite frankly, put you to sleep a little bit. In fact, I took a picture of my online study Bible, and I want to show you that I, we believe Moses wrote Genesis, and he was establishing a pattern in Genesis 5. And look at the very top. It, it, it rattles off when Adam was 130 years old, blah, 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 in yellow. And then it goes to after the birth of his name the kid in blue, and then it says in gray, Adam lived another X amount of years, and then he died. Come on. There's a pattern. Yellow, blue, gray. Yellow, blue, gray. Yellow, blue, gray. Yellow, and this is where your eyelids are starting to go. 
you're getting a little bit heavy eyelid and you're falling asleep a little bit on scripture, do not miss it. I believe Moses wrote a pattern just so that when he got down to Enoch, yellow, blue, gray, yellow, blue, red. What is this? It's a break in the pattern. It's almost like Moses was going, don't miss this. I, wrote, I established a pattern that could put many to sleep, but I'm willing to take that risk so that you see there's something special about Enoch you cannot miss. And so what's in red is two breaks in the pattern. When Enoch was 65 years old, after the birth of his son, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God. Didn't say it about anyone before. Didn't mention it about anyone after. Then he goes into the gray, Enoch lived X amount of years, and then red, walking in close fellowship with God. One day he just disappeared, for God took him. Everybody else, then he died, then he died, then he died, then he died. I need you to see that Enoch figured something out with his faith that was so pleasing to God, that God brought him to himself before he ever passed away. And so if he figured out some secrets of how to please God, I too want to walk with God by having full faith in him that is pleasing to God. And so let's jump into it. Today I got three quick things on how to please God. Write this down, how to please God. Number one, if you want to please God, you need to know God. You need to get to know God. Now, in case you haven't read your Bible or you're not too familiar with your Bible, uh, the first two-thirds of it is called the Old Testament. And during this period of God, time, God was primarily separated from mankind. He was in heaven. He was, as my friend said the other day, the big man upstairs. And um, we only got to know God through a few priests and prophets who had a divine connection with him. And then they passed on the relationship, the characteristics, and the nature of God. When Jesus Christ came, the Bible says that when he died on the cross, there was a supernatural earthquake. And the only thing that they noticed that happened was in the temple, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was known to dwell, where only one high priest could go only one time a year. That curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. You go read it in your Bible, signifying that no longer are only a few elite people able to know God. But you and you and you and you and you and all of us can now boldly enter the throne room, the gateway of God, sit on his lap and get to know him. That's the great news of the gospel. God is saying loud and clear, I want to know you and I want you to know me. I said my friend the other day thought he was speaking my language on the soccer field. And he was like, you know, I'm still getting some things right with the big man upstairs. And I was just like, you don't know him like I know him. Because he calls us friends. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He calls us adopted. He calls us in. He, I, I don't walk up to my dad. They're coming in next weekend from Louisiana. I'm excited to have them in town. When he shows up, I'm not going to go, what's up, big man upstairs? Whoa, come on. High five. That'd be a little weird, right? I wonder if God shows up and you're like, what's up, big man upstairs? He's like, what is this? Come on. <laughs> you know, when I go to the doctor, the triage nurse, 
knows my metrics and they know my weight, 135 pounds. They know my height. Come on. <laughs> they know. They know a few things about me, but they don't know me. And in the same way, many of us know a lot of fun facts about God, but we don't know him. When Jesus came on earth, it was the son of God coming to mankind so we could know him intimately. If you don't know his heart for you, if you don't know his love for you, then you don't know how much his heart breaks uh, uh, for you. Then look no further than the cross that Jesus died on so that you could be known by him and he could be known by you. So that you could have access to him. One of the most quoted scriptures, John 3, 16, for God so loved you, the whole world included, that he gave his one and only son. That whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. You know, one of the things I love about the Genesis story with Adam and Eve. Yeah, they screwed up. But when they screwed up, they had shame and sin all over their lives and they ran and hid. But guess what the Bible says next? That God, in the cool of the day, came looking for them. God wants to play hide and go seek with some people. But he doesn't want to play very long. <laughs> You know, you can try to run and hide from him, but he is coming to deliver you from your sin and shame. Not judge you, not condemn you, not to attack you. Because if you meet up with God on this side of earth, it is for conviction, not condemnation. And conviction always gives you a way out so that you can be cleaned and washed free of sin and shame. Come on, that's the good news of the gospel. But some of us like to play hide and go seek, and we don't want God to find us. We try to hide and hide and hide we don't realize the good thing we are running from so let god find you today and you might say well how do i know god how do i do that pastor drew here's one practical tip spend time with him in prayer daily just start spending time with him in prayer and talking to him if you say i don't know how to pray guess what we put together a website page you can reference um, an ebook that has um, uh, five different models of prayer in it. Go to liftsby.com slash prayer guide and you can get a free ebook that we release. Um, we print it uh, once every year, but you can access it all the time. You can begin to pray these things until it becomes your own language. How do you please God? Number one, know God. Number two, know his heart. You got to get to know his heart. In Philippians chapter 3, um, one of the greatest apostles of all time who wrote most of the New Testament goes on a rant rattling off his accolades because some people aren't listening to him very well. The Philippian church is hearing from other gifted speakers and they're starting to doubt if this is the true doctrine or not. And Paul starts getting a little chesty, rattling off some of his own accolades. He goes, you think they know Jesus Christ? I was circumcised when I was eight days old. And the, and the people were probably like, ooh, eight. Ooh, come on. This is an elite. <laughs> this, is, this is a set-apart guy. He says, I was a full-blooded Jew. I was elite and part of a strict Pharisee religious unit. I had every reason to boast and claim all kinds of accolades. And then he says this. I once thought these things were valuable. 
but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of, finish it with me, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I don't want to just know him. I want to know his heart. I want to know his nature. I want to know his characteristics. I want to know his promises. I want to know who he is and the freedom that he offers to us. Two ways to know his heart. Number one, if you want to know his heart, you have to know his word. He wrote it and he preserved it so that you and I can get to know him. To understand the promises that he has for us. And by the way, all of his promises are yes and amen, which means they're still true for you today. You got to know his heart so that when fear comes knocking at your door, you can say, that is not the end of the story. That is not going to back me up. That is not going to slow me down. That is not going to get in the way. For I have a butler named Faith, and he's going to cause you to flee so that I can get back to the business God has called me to do. Somebody say, that's good. Let's do it. We've got to get into the business of knowing him and knowing God because nothing else is of value. I don't care how big your bank account gets, how many titles you get before or after your name. I don't care how many degrees you have. Paul said those are worthless compared to knowing him. And he goes on to say this, and knowing his suffering. Can I step on some toes for a minute? I fear that there are a lot of Christians today who want to know his glory. I want to know all the ways he lifts, and I want to know all the way he promotes, and I want to know all the ways he gives abundance, and I want to know all these things. But I don't want to know anything that is uh, uh, of suffering, of, of sacrifice, of, of giving up, of separating from the world, of, of, of being separated. Come on, he says, I want to know even his suffering. We can't take what we like out of Scripture and rip out what we don't. Just because pop culture changes it. So if you want to know his heart, you need to know his word. Number two, you need to spend time with people who know God better than you. Uh, the book of Proverbs says, become wise by walking with the wise and hang out with fools and watch your life begin to fall to pieces. In other words, you need to surround yourself with people who know more than you do about God, who know God better. When you see somebody praying and you're like, man, they seem like they're touching heaven. That's when the smartest thing you could do is go, can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Because I want to have a discussion. You could say, are you leading a small group? Because I'd like to learn from you. I'd like to grow from you. I want to tell you, I have always tried to surround myself with people wiser than me, and I haven't arrived yet, and you haven't arrived yet, and while we're still breathing air, we should not believe we've arrived yet because I always want to hang around with someone who has walked with God closer, deeper. Come on, give an amen if that sounds good to you. I'm so proud of one of our young 20-somethings. He's getting baptized next week, and he said after this, uh, after this message in between experiences, he said, help me understand what's the balance between trying to reach people and walking with the wise. I said, what a brilliant question. That was a wise question. And I love it. If we're called to be fishers of men, we can't just hang out with fishermen. <laughs> we got to catch fish. However, who do you spend more time with? The wise or the fools? 
And you know how to answer that question. Because you're like, I've been hanging around some foolish things lately in the name of trying to reach people. And their bad company was corrupting more of my good character than my good company was corrupting their bad character. Can I get an amen? So I thought that was brilliant. So what do you do with that? Join a small group. On June 11th, this is why we have small groups, so that you can walk in relationship with people who have walked closer to God. We got all kinds of groups, men's groups, ladies' groups, marriage groups, serve groups. Walk with someone who knows God better than you. And then number three, know God, know his heart, and then live in accordance with it. Live according to it. Come on. You know what I love about Enoch? His name means dedicated. How do you please God? You're dedicated to what you know about God. It doesn't go in one ear and then go, yeah, but I'm going to do it a little bit different, and I'm going to alter the plan. No, he was dedicated to the plan even when the world was constantly trying to change it. Enoch's name means dedicated, and, and I think that so many of us know God and know his heart, but don't dedicate our lives to live by it every single day. So point number three is you can't just know him. You can't just know his heart. You've got to live in accordance with it. You know, there's a young man in our church that I'm so very proud of. Um, He's going to be coming up here in just a minute. I don't know where he's standing at the minute because he's going to emcee us out. And if he can hear me, he needs to magically appear. Because I want to talk about a young man that I believe models a lot of this. And... uh, his name's Jordy Foster. And he's standing right here. Turn around, wave, turn around, wave. Stand up real quick. You know him because he's led in worship and he's led our team in worship. You might know him because your youth absolutely love him on Wednesday night where he leads small groups and he leads all kinds of young people in prayer. But you know what I love about him is he has just earned his bachelor's degree in ministerial leadership and we have seen the call of ministry on his life. So I'm happy to say that this Wednesday we are ordaining him a pastor at Live Church. Y'all go ahead and give it up for Pastor Jordy Foster. Why? Because I think you'd live a life that pleases God. You're trying to reach people, and you're trying to model it, but when culture says to be one way or the other, you say, if it lines up with this, yes. If it does not line with this, I, I, I don't need it. And because of it, young people are coming to Christ, but he has got wisdom in him that I can't wait for so many of you to glean from. Y'all give it up for Pastor Jordy one more time. If you want to please God, know God, know his heart, and live it. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray with you right now. Um, as As I share a prayer that I just want to bless you. God, I know so many in here want to be closer to you. I know so many online and in person, when they heard the title, How to Please God, said, that's me. I want to do that. 
and they lean forward. Father, I thank you for the faith that started as a mustard seed even right there. And I thank you that you receive it as faith. Father, I pray your hand be upon them that as they draw near to you, you draw near to them. I pray that as they begin to read your word, you would have words pop out of the page to them, that you would speak dynamically in their personal life, that you would uh, personalize your word for them, that you would help them apply it every single day, that they would have faith and confidence to put it into action even when it seems like fear is trying to knock at their door. Father, I pray today the employment of the butler faith that no longer will we try to open the door with human faith I'm sorry, with human initiative, human wisdom, human bank accounts, human intellect, human accolades. Father, from this point forward, let us answer with faith. It pleases you, and fear runs from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I want to speak to those who feel like God's close right now. And God's speaking to you because maybe you've got some sin in your life and you've got some uh, areas where you know you're not right with God. And right now, something's wrestling in your soul. And I'm here to tell you that's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart saying, it's safe to open the door to this one because I want to come in, forgive you of your sins, and set your path, wash your sins away, set your path new, white as snow. You know, I believe when it comes to Enoch, he probably was not perfect, but he was pleasing to God. And he was pleasing because of his faith. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a faith step of maybe raising your hand and praying a prayer out loud. Why? Because, listen, though we have messed up, me as a parent, I am blessed when my kids come to me sharing what they did wrong before I find out about it. And I want you to know that repentance is a way that most pleases God. Though our sin was not pleasing, repentance does. And I close with this last scripture, 1 John 1 verse 9, which says, If we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and take your sins away. That's what I believe is going to happen in this place with every head bowed, every eye still closed. I will not call you forward and I will not embarrass you. But if you're in this place and you know God's wrestling with you and you've got sin in your life that you need to get out of the way and let God cleanse, today is your day to dedicate your life to Him. Give your life to Him for the first time or for even if it's coming back to God. If you're in this place, don't be ashamed to throw your hand in the air right now as you say, Pastor Drew, that's me. No one's looking around. Just say, that's me. I'm in. I want to give my life to him and repent of my sins. I see you. I see you. Thank you so much. I thank you for your courage, your boldness. Come on, church. Give it up for those who are raising their hands. If you're online and you say, that's me, just write in the chat, I'm in too. Because I believe that today is your day of salvation. Now the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So there's two things that you should do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to help you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Because when I gave my life to the Lord in 2002, I didn't know how to pray a prayer like that. So I'm going to help you speak it, but I cannot make you believe it. So for those of you who raised your hand today, we're going to pray along with you. Everybody in this room and for those online, we're going to pray with you. But I can't make you believe it. So believe every word as you repeat after me. Jesus, 
I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I've hurt you. And I'm so sorry for my sins. Will you please forgive me? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And when he died on that cross, he was innocent. But he died in the place of the guilty. So that I who am guilty can become innocent. I get to start all over today. I am a new person. Jesus has washed my sins away. And I'm a new creation. Here's to a new start, Lord. And you are the Lord of it. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Come on, I want you to get wild and celebrate with everybody who gave their life to Jesus.